Our scripture this morning is from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 10, verses 4 through the 15. For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. For Moses writes that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all of its commands. But faith's way of getting right with God says, Don't say it in your heart, Who will go up to heaven to bring Christ down to earth? And don't say, Who will go down to the place of the dead to bring Christ back to life again? In fact, it says, the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your hearts. And in that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on Him to save them unless they believe in Him? And how can they believe in Him if they have never heard about Him? And how can they hear about Him unless someone, someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring the good news. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Jennifer transferred into my high school in our senior year. She moved seemingly effortlessly between the already established teenage cliques. Quietly confident, she exuded calmness and peace. Previously, I had had some not awesome interactions with Christians in my school who came across as judgmental, aggressive, pushy. But when Jennifer spoke of her faith, it wasn't like that at all. She was joyful, relaxed, kind. The good news she shared of Jesus' love was winsome and appealing. All these years later, I still remember that. But that wasn't the first time I had come into contact with a messenger of the good news. Mrs. Emma Ivy was an elderly, widowed neighbor of my grandma Marie. An immigrant from Africa, she had loved traveling and exploring with her husband, but now she was physically unable to leave the confines of her small apartment. Whenever I visited my gram, I would always end up wandering down the hallway to Mrs. Ivy's apartment. I would sit with her, hear her stories, and at some point during each visit, 
She would share with me her faith in Jesus. She was bold in her love of God and gentle in her love of me. And there were many others. Mary, whose hug each Sunday morning made me feel so welcome in church, even when I struggled to understand what was being taught. Gloria, the wife of my first pastor, who taught me that my love of science was not in conflict with my newfound faith. So many people who were messengers of Christ's love through their words, through their actions, through their very practical love. How beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. In the opening verses of today's scripture, Paul states that Christ has accomplished the purpose for which the law was written. That word translated there as accomplished is telos, and it's a very important Greek word in Christian theology. It means reaching the end aim, the consummation of the final goal. The Jewish law was meant to teach humanity to love God with heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And through our inability to completely, unswervingly, perfectly follow the law in thought, word, and deed, the law was meant to help us recognize and acknowledge our complete dependence upon God. In his birth, life, teaching, death, and resurrection, Jesus brought that intention of the law to its conclusion. Holding within himself complete, unswerving, perfect obedience to God's law of love, Jesus gave of himself to save us and to provide us an example of how we are to live in response to his sacrificial gift. As a result, Paul continues in that first line of our scripture, all who believe in him are made right with God. And how exactly does this happen, according to Paul? Verses 8 through 10. In fact, it says, the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. The message is on your lips and in your heart. And if you openly declare and believe in your heart, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. I don't remember when it was the first time that I said these words out loud. What we have said with our lips, let us believe it in our hearts. And what we believe in our hearts, let us practice in our lives. I remember reading it many years ago at the very beginning of my ministry in the Methodist Book of Worship. It seemed like such a wonderful, very concise summation of the call on our lives, claiming God's love with our mouths, believing it in our hearts, and then taking all of that and walking it out into our daily lives. Now, 
It's how I conclude just about every worship service. What we have said with our lips, let us believe it in our hearts. And what we believe in our hearts, let us practice in our lives. Powerful stuff, if we take it seriously, and a joy for our lives. Because how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. This message, this news of reconciliation, of grace, of forgiveness, of hope, it is a message that can transform lives. It can bring healing. It can make a way forward where there seemed to be none there before. But the message, it needs messengers like these ones. This is Nate. Nate became a Christ follower two weeks ago and is still a bit giddy about it. Now he's trying not to do cartwheels in public. Nate became a believer partly because of Kim. Yet oddly enough, Kim and Nate have never met. Now is this possible? Well, let's take a look. Kim loved Jesus from an early age, and in college she had a huge impact on her friends. While most of her peers used their college years to, well, experiment, Kim didn't. She remained committed to her faith, and it showed. It especially showed to Lisa, her roommate, who confessed to Kim that she wanted whatever it was that made Kim so strong. Kim shared her faith with Lisa, and Lisa believed. Years later, at Lisa's first real job, she met Thomas. Thomas was hit by a drunk driver when he was 13 and still carried a lot of anger and bitterness. Thomas and Lisa became friends, and it wasn't long before he started going to church with Lisa and her husband. After a lot of studying and searching, Thomas gave his life to Christ. Fast forward a few years. Thomas became a public speaker and was often asked to speak at large events. See, when he became a believer, Thomas developed a new perspective on life. He stopped resenting what had been taken from him and started being thankful for the second chance he had been given. On one particular day, Thomas shared about overcoming hardship and what it means to choose joy. He was so passionate that a number of people were inspired to share a link to his video. The video of Thomas inspired James, too. And if anyone needed inspiration, it was him. James had a ton of issues. He spent most of his life as a passive husband, an absent father, and a horrible friend. That said, no one disliked him more than he disliked himself. But everything changed the night he happened to watch Thomas online. Something clicked and he knew what he had to do. He surrendered his miserable life to someone greater, and he was forever changed. James fought hard to make up for the lost years with his family. And he also began working with young men who were in danger of throwing their lives away. One of those men was Nate. Nate didn't really know his own dad, and he had no real direction in life, ultimately bouncing from one bad decision to another. Because of that, he often found himself in trouble with the law. No one had ever showed him what it looked like to be a real man. That is, until he met James. James became the first father figure Nate ever had. He learned about honesty, self-control, humility, and integrity, and where those traits come from. Two months later, Nate publicly declared his belief in Christ. And of course, James was there. Now you can see the connection. Nate was impacted by James. He was influenced by Thomas. Thomas saw an uncommon joy in Lisa, who learned of Jesus from Kim.
Kim's relationship with God eventually led to Nate's. Funny how these two people have never met and never will. I saw that video a few weeks ago and it stuck with me. And so I wanted to share it with you today. A young woman who lived in a way that made her college roommate wonder what gave her such wisdom, quiet confidence. A woman who then invited her co-worker to church where he found hope and healing for past hurt. A man who, freed from bitterness, found joy in publicly sharing the good news. A man who heard that good news and began to reach out to young men in crisis. A young man who was mentored by someone so loving, so wise and kind and forgiving that he turned his life over to the God who has loved him from the very first moment of his existence. How beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. That good news, it's what we've talked about all throughout this series and on the first Sunday of this series, the news of God's love that compelled the Apostle Paul to write this letter to the church in Rome. But what is that good news? How beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news? Paul is quoting here from the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament, chapter 52, verses 6 and 7, which say this, But I will reveal my name to my people, and they will come to know its power. Then at last they will recognize that I am the one who speaks to them. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news, the good news of peace and salvation, the news that the God of Israel reigns, the good news of peace and salvation. The word for peace in Hebrew is shalom, not just an absence of conflict, it is wholeness, completeness. It is everything working together as it was originally designed to by God. The good news that these beautifully footed messengers share is of shalom, of peace. And the good news is the good news of salvation. The Hebrew word means deliverance, helping, victory. The word is Yeshua. And you may already know this, but that Hebrew word for salvation, Yeshua, it's Jesus' name in Hebrew. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news, the good news of peace and of salvation the news that the God of Israel reigns. Paul's quotation of Isaiah 52 is important for another reason also. The very next chapter, chapter 53, is often called the Song of the Suffering Servant. It was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. We thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. This passage and many others are seen as prophesying Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, proclaiming that with our lips, believing it in our hearts, 
knowing God's love, it is the good news. And in my opinion, that good news has never been more needed in our world. How beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. Beautiful, horarios. It means a time of fulfillment, beautifully developed. It is beautiful because it is perfect. It is fruitful in its timing. And you, yes, you, you are that messenger, at least potentially you are, you can be. Living in a way that makes those around you wonder what gives you such winsome, quiet confidence. By inviting someone you know to join you for church, something, by the way, that is easier than ever now during this online COVID-19 season. By publicly sharing your faith, offering your own story of redemption so that others can find hope by reaching out to people who are hurting, sitting with them in their pain, demonstrating what healing looks like, by mentoring, by challenging, by loving, by being engaging, timely, beautiful-footed messengers of God's love. For me, I thank you, courageous messengers of the good news who told me about God's love, Thank you, Jennifer, for showing me that God's message was of gentle grace. Thank you, Mrs. Ivy, for teaching me that our God is a God of love. Thank you, Gloria, for telling me that I did not have to check my mind at the door when I became a person of faith. Thank you, Mary, for showing me that God loves me no matter what, and that God's children love in the same way. Thank you to all who took the time and still now take the time to share the good news with me through word and through action. And thank you to each of you for sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with the people around you each day through your words and your actions. Thank you, you beautiful messengers of the very good news.